Christmas is just around the corner and I want to help you start the year making one big step towards achieving your lettering goals. My team and I have put together a giveaway with a price that is worth over $1,000. We are giving a prize to three lucky winners. This is what the prize includes. A signed copy of my book, The Golden Secrets of Lettering, six month access to our private community of future hand lettering masters, a wonder ampersand pin, and $300 in trainings. Entering is easy. Go to martinaflor.com slash giveaway and sign up. That's it. The giveaway is open worldwide and will close on December 5th. Three winners will be chosen at random and will be notified right after the giveaway closes. Start the year leveling up your creative skills and become part of our community of hand lettering masters and artists. Good luck and Merry Christmas. Hello and welcome to another episode of Open Studio. I'm your host, Martina Flora, and in this show, I have honest conversations with artists, designers, and creatives to uncover their story and the specific tactics they use to build a successful career around their skills and the work they love doing. My guest today is New York native John Contino, who is an influential staple in the design and branding community. As founder and creative director of independent branding studio Contino, he has produced award-winning work for household names and received some of the industry's most prestigious honors. In 2018, John published his first book, Brand by Hand, in partnership with Abrams Books, and he currently runs Ugly Books, a collection of customizable notebooks. This is the last interview of the third season. And before we get into the episode, let me share with you a secret. As a host, I do my best to conduct conversations that are honest and open. I try to make my guests forget about the fact that they are being recorded so that I can bring to you the real stories and show you the behind the scenes of the life of an artist. The truth is that I don't always succeed. But in this conversation, John Contino has helped me accomplish that and more. John went deep into the stories that made him one of the greatest references in design and illustration of our times. He shared his personal path as a creative, his fears and strengths, the rough things that he went through as a child, and showed us how all of that is infused into his life and his signature style. During the show, you will learn what are the things that will help you stand out from the crowd as a creative. You will get insights on how to find your artistic style, and you will feel less alone in your creative path as John gives you a peek into the challenges he faced along the way, some of which you may have experienced as well. And still, stay until the end because for this time only, I will be sharing a bonus snippet of a conversation we had off the record. Enjoy this conversation with John Contino. <laughs> John, how are you doing today? Thank you for coming uh, on the podcast. I'm doing all right. I'm doing all right. Thanks for having me. John, I'm really excited to have you on the podcast today because you have been in the creative industries for over a decade now, and certainly you have seen the ups and downs and the changes. You are also very entrepreneurial when it comes to your practice, and you have started several projects as a designer, which gives you, I believe, a nuanced perspective on what works and what doesn't. And we're going to touch on a myriad of things today and topics today, but I normally like to start the episodes with a strong question that will hopefully open several topics of conversation for us. Mm -hmm. So 
How do you think an artist, designer, and creative stands out on an increasingly busy world nowadays? Oh, that's a good question. Um, I feel like... Oh man, that's you know it's so funny too because when you look at when you look at social media, right? Especially when it started versus where it's at, mm. um, I feel like people wanted to be unique at the mm. beginning, and then the way that the platforms started corralling people into, you know, uh, you know, similar buckets and things like that, mm. then it was more of a exercise to be more like the popular bucket. Mm. Right. And and there was a lot less experimentation mm. and a lot less of trying to figure out where, you know, your own personal styles from and where your own ideas come from. And more or less, like, how do I, f you know, fill into the algorithm and let people see my stuff? Yeah. But at the end of the day, the amount of uniqueness gets filtered out and kind of that that kind of like sameness and, and kind of like the people kind of copying each other and stuff like that. You see a lot more of that. Yeah. So not only is it frustrating from a creative perspective as an artist who's been around for a long time, um, it's also, I think, frustrating for younger artists who are trying to develop something and can't because they feel like they need to be like <clears throat> X, Y, and Z in order to have anyone even see their work. So yeah. I, I think in general, it's been a pretty frustrating experience for the last 10 years or so. Mm. And, uh, you know, I, I I always feel lucky that when I started was mm. like the mid 90s, you know, and, and there was no the Internet was pretty new. And if I wanted a job, it was like I called people on the phone and asked them if they needed a designer. You know, yeah. I, I, I went to places <laughs> and sat in lobbies with a portfolio book and tried to meet people to hire me for stuff. And it was very much a, a, a different world. And it was a hard thing to do because very uncomfortable. Um, and now it's just like the opposite of uncomfortable. It's like the most comfortable thing to do, mm. but you also don't get anywhere. Um, yeah. So it's tough. I mean, at, at the end of the day, I, I still will always suggest that you be yourself and you follow your own ideas. And I think when people see something and when they finally do see your work, I think they'll appreciate the fact that it's, it's honest and original and unique. And um, I, I think that's always going to be the most important when it comes to art is, is to, you know, communicate your own you know version of the world to people out there so they can have have a, a you know a, another way to to interpret what they see every day yeah and it seems that you have done that yourself you know throughout your career right you when when i look at your work and at your portfolio of work it looks very original it looks very you and when i you know preparing for this interview I was um, going through different um, different interviews of you uh, out in the internet, and it seems that your own story is very connected with the with the kind of art that you create. You know, the connection that you see between your art and the music you listen to, or um, you know, your influences and the things you're interested in. And it seems that you have, you know, infused your work with all of that inspiration and all all of that stuff. And you can see it by just scrolling down your, your Instagram account, your website. And you just mentioned that, you know, back in the days when you started, you were 
just doing the doing it the hard way in a way, right? So mm -hmm. you were going to places and sitting down, uh, sitting in lobbies uh, with mm -hmm. your portfolio and kind of trying to see where the opportunities were, right? So right. I wonder, you know, I wonder if you can give us more deeds in, in terms of what worked for you in terms of like putting your food um, in the industry as an illustrator and creative. And how do you do that today, right? Because of course now you have, you have a portfolio of work, mm -hmm. you are much more confident about what you're capable of doing, you have uh, all this experience behind you, right? And you probably approach new clients or probably clients approach you in a different way than, than it was before. So I wonder what were the things that worked in the beginning and what are the things that you do nowadays? Well, it's, it's when, when you look at it from that angle, you see like when I first started, like mid to late 90s, I was very much involved in the music scene that I would, mm -hmm. that I would play in. So you, you could kind of be your own self, you know, because it didn't matter because it was just there was a, I mean, every paying client was still a friend mm. or a friend of a friend or something like that. So they were just like, hey, I like what you do. It's cool. Can you do it for me? And that was really the extent of it. And mm. then once I started like freelancing, freelancing and stuff like that through college, um, it was very much kind of like, well, I can do this. And they're like, cool, but we need this. And OK. And you just kind of like figure your way out through through things like that. And then after college. Um, when I started my first studio, it was very much a I need to live situation. Mm -hmm. And the I need to live situation was not conducive to the I need to be an artist situation. Mm -hmm. So it was very much like trying to figure out how to create something for clients. And it was very business oriented and things like that. Um, and and it, 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 it took the uh, 2008 recession to really kind of shake things up for me. So I was always mm -hmm. doing cool stuff and corporate stuff hand in hand, but the cool stuff never paid and the corporate stuff took care of me and, you know, made it so that it was like a, a way to survive. And then when the recession hit, uh, my partner at the time, Matt Gorton, we, in our studio, um, we just like, really just were like, we had no way to kind of um, make money because mm -hmm. as, as, as the recession hit, a lot of businesses started closing and we had to figure out a way to, to keep the keep the lights on essentially yeah. um and and i've told the story a few times but it's i think it's always funny to to reiterate like how things can really get started so so up until this point 2008 right i had been working for you know as a freelancer or in a studio or with someone for about 10 or 11 years mm. and it was you know i was still young young enough anyway i was only you know 25 26 at the time and it was very much a try to figure out like, you know, how, how can I be someone that someone cares about in the mm. design world? Um, and, and we were having a lot of trouble figuring out how to actually do that. And around this time when the recession hit, we kind of just said, screw it all. Let's just do something fun and see what happens. <laughs> and the, the TV show Lost was popular at the time. And we designed these like cool TV show themed t-shirts. Yeah. And we printed them ourselves and whatever. We were like, hey, what would someone like to wear? And it was around the holidays at the time, too. So we put up a little web store and we, we emailed some blogs. And some blogs thought it was fun. And they put them up. And 
we sold a bunch of t-shirts and it was great and we were just like hey this is awesome we also got a cease and desist from disney to stop using using their their copyrighted material but like um they didn't take the money back from us and that's all we were worried about so we were like cool let's use this money and make more t-shirts except Mm -hmm. this time we'll do it the way that we wanted to do it so long story short we ended up creating a clothing company at that point Mm -hmm. and that clothing company was the perfect platform for me to be able to develop my illustration style, my my brand identity style, all that kind of stuff. So it's so funny, too, because when I look back at when I was really settling into my freelance life, which was probably in the early 2000s, like 2001, 2002, I did a lot of music packaging. Mm-hmm. And that was kind of like where I felt most comfortable. But I always said that the two things I was worst at was logo design and illustration. Mm-hmm. And it's funny that that's what people know me for the most now. Um, because it was just something I always loved to do, but yeah. I was just never, I, I couldn't, I, I could never really figure out, um, what the trick was to yeah. doing it the right way. And, and how to, how do you condense so much information into such a small amount of markings? So when this whole thing happened, um, I was kind of forced to learn how to brand a, com- a company, how to design products for the company, all, all these things. And illustration was a big part of it. Lettering was a big part of it. Um, and it was very much like, if I'm going to do it, I want to do it the way that I, I want to do it. And mm-hmm. I took all this inspiration, this stuff that I grew up with, New York City stuff, nautical stuff, like, you know, historical, you know, things. And, and I was like, let me just smash them all together. And um, my partner, Matt, at the time, too, he was also very much influenced by the same things we kind of grew up going to the same shows and 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 stuff like that and um by the time that happened i I remember thinking you know i feel more confident in what i'm doing Mm. but no one knows me for me everyone knows me for the clothing company and i Mm. had worked all this time and uh, sometimes i would go to things and people wouldn't even know i was associated with the clothing company and i would just be like i feel like i need to do a better job of promoting myself so people know where the work is coming from. And at that point, I put up a portfolio that was, it was no more like, here's how I can brand corporate and here I can do this and here I can do it. It was just straight up the stuff that I loved. And it was illustration, it was logo stuff, it was lettering, it was all the stuff that I just had so much fun doing at the time. And at that point, I think there were people that were able to take notice Mm. of my portfolio via the clothing company or blog posts or anything like that. And um, they were able to see that I had a voice and Mm. it was a voice that I had either suppressed or not. I didn't know how to actually use for the previous, you know, 10 or 12 years. And then finally I was just like, this is how I do it. And this feels like me. And it's just like, if people like it, great. If they don't, I'll figure out another way to do it at another time, you know? And that was really the breakthrough that I had was I just, I I put this portfolio together of maybe it was like 12 pieces or something and just threw it out there and I designed it the way I wanted to. And it was just only the work that I liked and it was only the work that I cared about. And agencies started calling and companies started calling. And it, it was, it, it almost felt like an overnight thing where I was just like, I finally felt comfortable being myself. And that's when I put it out there. And I think people appreciated that. And, and from that moment on, I never looked back and I only did the things that I thought were right for me. Um, Of course, you know, within the context of the project, but like I only did it the John way and that was, um, (laughs) I've never done it any other way since then. Well, it sounds like an amazing way of leading a career as a creative, right? When you are, 
when you're really doing the work that you're really great at and when you feel really comfortable at doing that, right? And when I look at your personal story, or actually I wanted to dive deeper into your personal story and, you know, how that comes together with what you do nowadays, right? Um, and I want to ask you, what are the things that you feel when you have to join the dots, looking back, what, what are the things that you feel that made you choose design, lettering, and, illustrator, and illustration as a medium, um, mm -hmm. or as a, as a creative medium? Because, you know, and I want to give you an example, in my case, how it was, so that you understand where I'm going with this question. So, for instance, in my case, language has always been a topic in my life. I lived most of my adult life um, in a foreign country, so I left Argentina, where I was born, Uh, when I was 27, and that translated into an inability for me to communicate and express um, my ideas properly. And, and I believe that it is not by chance that my work has to do with giving shape to language and is all about the storytelling with letter forms because I felt so limited when it came to the spoken word, you know? And mm. in fact, I also believe that, you know, my own style that is so decorative Um, is that way because I could get, you know, with my art, I could get very nuanced. I could go into the details, whereas when I was communicating things with the spoken word, I couldn't, right? I had these limitations. So I wonder how that plays out for you. Um, and if you, if you have to identify the things that connect your personal story with your choice of medium, What would that be? I, <clears throat> I, I love I love hearing your story because I feel like um, it's it's what a lot of younger designers don't understand yet that I try to teach all the time. It's like, mm. what is the reason for what you do, mm. right? Like, where does it come from? And a lot of times when you're younger, you don't really know why. You just do it. Yeah. And then as you get a little bit older and you start to like kind of be retrospective of your life and how you yeah. got to the certain point and understand, you're just like, oh, that's why I did that. And it was the same for me. It was I, I didn't really know why I did it and why I gravitated towards certain things. But looking back, um, it makes it makes a lot more sense, especially these days now that I'm a, a parent and stuff like that too. So I'm the oldest of three brothers. Hmm. Um, my second brother was born um, with Down syndrome, um, hmm. and he's doing great. But he had significant heart issues when he was a kid. Hmm. So when when he was younger, and this is you know in the early '80s, um, he had to have open heart surgery and things like that. And it was very much a strain on our family because at the time, those types of surgeries were not very successful. Um, so my parents, you know, between working and spending time at the hospital, were very much, you know, trying to be the best parents that they could. And I spent a lot of time with my grandmother, um, who was also an artist. And I come from a long line of artists. And she would you know, try to find ways to fill my days with things to keep me occupied that wasn't a hospital hallway, you know? Mm. Um, so she would take me to this. There was this amazing store in New York called, called uh, Pearl Paint, um, which unfortunately is no longer around, but she would take me there all the time. And she would buy me all sorts of pencils and pens and markers and um, books about how to, how to draw and, 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 uh, had a had a had a write in calligraphy um and there was like a lot of these things that i would learn at a very early age and and the also the interests that i had 
would kind of blend together. So I really liked sports and I liked music and I liked movies and TV shows. And um, I was very interested in replicating what I saw on posters and hats and, you know, um, you know, movie title screens and all that kind of stuff. So between these things of kind of like maybe creating this own world for myself to, to maybe like not be in the stressful environment that it was at the time, it was very much a focus. Mm -hmm. And, and throughout my life, as I dealt with varying levels of maybe like anxiety and, 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 you know, struggling with things like that, it was always the anchor point where I would say, this is the thing that makes me feel most calm and makes me feel most like myself without having to deal with, um, you know, the, the noise and all the stuff that would drive me nuts on a, on a, on a regular day. And, and that never really changed. And I would, mm -hmm. you know, I would. As I would get older, I would learn how to deal with certain things and, uh, you know, struggle less with, with, you know, daily frustrations and anxieties and things like that. But the art side of things would always kind of be the um, kind of like the anchor for me to always kind of find myself again and feel like this is how I can, you know, center my brain and just kind of like get back to zero again and just, you know, take a deep breath and just zone out and space out. And I remember even some of the worst times as a kid when I would have, you know, panic attacks and stuff like that, because that just became like part of my life as yeah. a very, in very, very early age. Like it's, I, if, if I would sit there and I would just start doodling, eventually I would start drawing something and I would get lost and, you know, my heart rate would go down and, you know, mm -hmm. like I would I would stop freaking out and it would be a really great way to kind of just like focus. Mm -hmm. And now that I look back at it and, and I, you know, I, I, I watch my kids grow up and I kind of think about all the things that I've done. It's it's become maybe the way that I've become hyper focused. Mm -hmm. So people will always say like, like I, I work like crazier than anyone they've ever seen. But it's I think it's because it's like this hyper-focus kind of keeps me balanced in a way. Mm -hmm. So like, even though like, I'll say, you know, I'll work like 20 hours a day every day mm -hmm. and people will be like, how do you, how do you do that? And I'll be like, it feels normal to me because it feels like that's the way I keep myself kind of centered and just like, like calm <laughs> yeah. for lack of a better word, you know? Thank you so much for sharing that story with us. Um, and it's, I think I think you you touch on a very important point too, that is you know for every artist is is very important to discover why are you doing this you know why why are you investing so much time into getting better at what you do why are you investing so much time into creating your art right, right. and it seems that for you it was a way of staying away um, of all of the things that were happening in your life. And I think it's such a great gift that your uh, grandmother gave you by just promoting that, that side of your creativity and enabling that through buying you books and pencils and uh, markers, right? Um, and I, I love that you touch on the fact that you work 20 hours a day because I was, as I was, um, I think it's a perfect segue to what's, coming next, which is, you know, I went through uh, a few interviews on the internet that I, I found from you. And there's one on Design Boom from 2012. Mm -hmm. And you described 
uh, one of your days or they ask you to describe how a regular day will look like for you. And you just mentioned that now, you know, a lot of things changed from 2012. You have now a family, you have two daughters, right? One is mm -hmm. 10 and the other one is three. So a lot of things have changed in your life. And I want to, I want to read that passage of the interview to you, if that's okay. Yeah, and, sure. <laughs> and ask you, what are the things that changed from 2012 to oh, now? Boy. So <laughs> let's try this out. So, um, it's pretty tough to tear me away from whatever project I have going on at the moment. As for a typical day, I usually, it usually varies between two different versions. The first is the most common. Wake up, go straight to work for a few hours, hoop in the shower and grab some lunch, go back to work for another few hours, eat dinner and maybe watch a bad horror movie, then work for a few more hours. The second basically consists of running around Manhattan trying to cram as many meetings into a day as possible. I love being untethered and going about things at my own pace, mostly because my pace is hyperdrive. So 10 years later, a family... <laughs> Two kids, a dog. <laughs> um, it's, it is November 2022 as we record this episode. So how does this look like for you? And what are the things that have changed, if any? It's, oh my God, that's, oh man. <clears throat> it's, that's so funny. Um, good, uh, great job on your part for finding that. <laughs> this, um, so not really much has changed except there's just more that I have to jam into the day now, right? Yeah. So like the two versions of that are I wake up earlier now than I did then <laughs> yeah. because now I have two kids that have to go to school. Um, and then uh, we get that, you know, my wife and I will work together to get them ready and go to school. And mm -hmm. then it goes to work. And then same type of thing. I normally don't get to get in the shower until right before lunch. So that's kind of <laughs> the same. Uh, I'll eat lunch exactly the same way, work for a few hours, except then I have to go pick up my kids. Um, so that gets crammed in there. And a lot of times, so instead of like working, like I'll, you know, be sitting in the car waiting for my daughter to get out of school, texting and emailing and doing phone calls and stuff like that. And then, um, you know, um, my older daughter does a lot of after school stuff. So she, she, she draws also, she sings, she does all this stuff. So whatever after school activity she's doing, you know, we'll go to that and we'll talk about, you know, we talk about all sorts of stuff, which is the, one of the coolest parts about being a parent is that, especially with my older daughter now, who's capable of doing all these things, we could talk about art, we can talk about music, oh, yeah. we can talk about all that stuff, which is great. Um, but yeah, then I come back and I keep working as mm -hmm. I would. And then, you know we gather the family, we eat dinner and we try to get everybody to bed. And then, um, at that point, um, we're usually all kind of dead. <laughs> so then everybody <laughs> falls asleep. But then again, I go back to work. Um, and the bad horror movies are still there. They're just like playing on like an iPad, like sitting off to the side as I, as I work. And then the second version of that day still exists also, except the meetings running around the city don't happen as much anymore. Now it's mm. just like Zoom call after Zoom call after Zoom oh, yeah. call after Zoom call. <laughs> so it hasn't changed that much, but it's also changed completely at the same time. So like I've had to just find ways to um, continue my pace, but also fit in, you know, family life mm. in at the same time, um, which um, has been a challenge, you know, especially as the kids get older and, yeah. um, you know, and 
you know, they'll, you, there'll be like random things that get thrown in the way. Like the kids get sick all the time. Oh, yeah. And then that means that we get sick all the time. And it's, you know, it's like all that kind of stuff. So, you know, there'll be like random wrenches that get thrown in the works. But uh, other than that, it hasn't really changed that much, which I guess is a good thing. I've been consistent for a long time. <laughs> <laughs> so I have, I have a follow-up question to this. But before that, I want, to, um, I want to quickly ask you, like you mentioned that you work with your wife. So mm -hmm. in which way you collaborate with her? So she, um, so she works with us at the studio. She mm. does art direction for a lot of things. She also does ah, okay. um, in interiors and things like that also. So if we're doing, um, like right now, we're working on a cocktail bar and an ice cream shop. And she's helping kind of doing like the, the broad mood boards and stuff like that and kind mm. of like overall concept stuff. And then when she's done with that, basically me and if anyone else of our team that we'll work with will start kind of like making stuff. And then she kind of pokes her nose in, mm, do this, don't do that, that kind of stuff, <laughs> which has been great because there's so much going on that like I'm so thankful that she works with me in that regard because I can't possibly keep my brain in the same spot for more than like 10 minutes at a time. So she's really good at kind of like wrangling stuff and keeping things focused. And then once we're ready to kind of like get past the branding aspect part of things and, and start kind of designing the space, she's really great at that. So that's, well, she'll take like the majority of that stuff too and, and go with it. So, um, yeah, it's great because it's a different skill set than I have. Um, yeah. so, so it's, it's nice. It's, it, you know, like, If we were both illustrators or designers or something like that, yeah. it would just be like, you know, I don't think it would work as well as it does because we, we complement each other really well in that way. And you will be more the hands-on guy or you will be more into, um, you know, communicating with the client, sending offers or estimates right. or all that stuff? Right. Okay. Okay. Great. Right. Just to right, get an exactly. idea of how that, how that works. Yeah. So, she, she, she hates taking meetings. So she's like, <laughs> ah, you just do it by yourself. So I'm like, all right, fine. <laughs> so, and I, I my follow-up question to what we were just um, talking about, right. Um, is, you know, you've been in the business of illustration, lettering and branding for more than a decade. How, how many years you said that you started in the nineties. So yeah, 25 years. Amazing. That makes yeah. you sound really old. I know. <laughs> <laughs> so, and, and I, you know, if I look at, if I look back at your story, I mean, I've been following you for a long time and following mm -hmm. your work and you have experience. I, I said, I mentioned before that you have a very entrepreneurial attitude towards your business and your career. You work for clients, you run your online classes, you started a publishing house, um, you run a podcast, you, you open opened a lot of different doors in your story as a designer or creative. And, you know, at a personal level, we were just talking about the fact that you started a family, you built a house, uh, mm -hmm. you, you know, you have all these other big projects, right? And, you know, if you allow me to share something, I feel that personally, you know, as I grow older, um, or at least in, in my, in the last 10 years, my life has become increasingly complex right I have I also have a family I have two kids um, I have the studio right so there's things continue piling up right and at some point and for me that point was the the pandemic at some point I needed to stop 
or I saw myself in the need to stop and say like, okay, from all the things that I'm doing right now, for, from all the things that I'm pursuing, including the personal stuff, um, what are the things that are going to stay? What are, what are the things where, that I'm going to focus on next, right? Because I, you know, it's, it feels very hard to just continue doing everything at the same time, right? So yeah. I wonder if you had at some point, because if I look back at all the projects that you started, you you may have been intensively working on some of them uh, during certain years, but some of them have, you have paused for a while or some of them you are focusing on more nowadays and you stop pursuing others. So how does this look like for you? Did you have a moment in your life where you said like, okay, I need to clean up my to-do list. I need to just see what I need to focus on next uh, and what how this does uh, how does this process look like for you whenever you need to simplify uh, your business and your life I mean you you definitely understand you know when when you have a couple of kids and you're running mm. a home business and and all that kind of stuff and um, it's it's not easy it's yeah. definitely not easy um, I find myself feeling slow and lazy if I'm not doing a million things every day. Mm. And it's, it's one of those things where if I look back and I remember this was a time when my older daughter was little. Um, she was, she was probably within a year or so old. Mm. I'm, I'm going to guess. Um, I had a handful of projects. Mm. There's a lot of stuff going on. I was, I was, I was directing one thing. I was illustrating another thing. I was working on an animation for another thing. I was working on a campaign for another thing. I had some meetings. There's all sorts of things that were going on. I had a you know a little kid, and and I remember it was one of those times where I felt so overwhelmed that I started mm. to make myself sick. Mm. And I've I've been in that position a few times where I'm just like my body doesn't feel right. I need to stop. Yeah. And I've pushed myself to that limit enough to know exactly what I'm feeling at this point. Now, looking back on that, which was maybe eight, nine or 10 years ago, um, and I look back at the workload that I was doing then, hmm. which I feel like was probably a lot for most people, I look back at that and I do that every day now, hmm. and I don't feel an effect from it anymore, which is, I don't know if this is like, I wouldn't recommend it for everyone because I, I know mm. that there's a lot of people out there that say, you know, find that work and life balance and all this kind of stuff. But like, if I'm not running at a million mile an hour pace, mm. I don't feel balanced. I feel very much like unhinged in mm. a way. And I think my, my family, um, just understands that like even mm -hmm. my even my my little one who's starting to understand that she goes daddy why do you work so much <laughs> and I'm like that's just that's what I do and she mm. goes oh, okay and it's just how it is but like I see it in my older daughter now too where she is like doing a million things in a day and keeps asking to do more like she has I think the same type of um mentality that I do and I got it from my parents it's just like one of those things that kind of feels genetic almost where it's just like we have this like I always I always make a joke that I've never seen my mom sit you know <laughs> like <laughs> like like I, I I feel like it's just like one of those things where it's just like this like never-ending energy to just do more and do more and do more and do more yeah. and I mean definitely as I you know get into my 40s and I start to um 
feel myself slow down a little bit. And mm. I think maybe more so because of the kids and not because of the work. Yeah. I think they're, they're very exhausting, as I'm sure you understand. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I definitely have been shifting projects more to more of a creative director standpoint and less mm. of a do everything yeah. type of thing. So I have been shifting a bit more in, into that role where I can kind of juggle more of my family and, and work and still keep things going. And um, like we run this new sketchbook company called Ugly Books, which has yeah. been um, exhausting because it's a brand new business and we're, you know, we're putting a lot of heart and soul into it. Um, but again, it's, it's the, the exhausting, the exhausting part is not the design part. The exhausting part is running the, you know, the marketing campaigns and making sure everything is produced and shipped and, you know, all that kind of stuff. And the things that are annoying when it comes to building something new, not the, not the creating part, the managing part, that's the, yeah. the most annoying part, but it's something that you can manage mobily, you know? So if I'm, if I'm sitting on the couch with one of my kids watching TV and there's stuff, I can answer it on my phone and it's all good and I don't have to leave. Like I can still keep one of my kids on my lap or, you know, hang out with them, whatever. Like every now and again, I get a daddy, put your phone down, which makes me feel terrible. But, <laughs> you know, at the same time, like it's my, my whole thing is that um, I really, I, 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 don't, I don't trust the world, especially in the state that it's in now. So I try to work as hard as I can to make sure that there's a, um, a comfortable life for my family, you know, later on when they have to do it themselves. So a lot of it really kind of, it, it's gone from the, the, the passionate drive of, of this is what I love to do to yeah. that's a part of it, but it's also, <clears throat> I, I want to make sure that there's a future and that there's a, a, a place where my family can be safe and secure when, you know, they get to that point to, to need it that yeah. you know maybe I can't provide it every day like I do now. Yeah. Um and and I have to say that it's circling back to what you mentioned before in the very beginning of why you you know why there's a connection between the medium that you have chosen to be creative and your own personal story. It seems that you find peace in doing the work that you do and this is why you just enjoy doing it a lot, right? Um Yeah, yeah and I I want to talk shortly about, or I want to talk extensively as much as you want about <laughs> ugly books. But before that, you know, you were you were talking about the certain challenges that you had when um, when your daughter was born and when your daughter uh, turned one year old, where you started feeling you know overwhelmed and overworked, right? So I want to touch shortly on like the downsides of a creative life. Right. Because I think something very particular about what we do is that many of us, as you, as me, um, have turned their hobbies or what they enjoy doing <laughs> into their work. And that has, you know, that that has downsides to it. Right. And there's yeah. definitely we love doing what we do, but at the same time, there's challenges to it. Right. And I want to ask you about those, because also if I look back at your at your path as a creative you have received some of the industry's most prestigious uh, prizes right um, design and decoration building stars of design award a clio key art award a canis lion award and adc's young guns award like just to name a few so i want to hear about the setbacks 
during your career. And you can take it in any direction. You can speak about the moment where you lost motivation, like you just mentioned, um, or where you felt overworked, like you just mentioned with when your uh, when your daughter turned one year. Um, you can speak about the dark times where you didn't have enough work or some media scandal, whatever you whatever you want to touch on. <laughs> um, well, thankfully, no media scandals. Knock on wood. At least, at least not yet. Not yet. <laughs> Um, it, it's well, you know, it's the funny part is the the darkest times is the fact that like, I think most creatives know that this is very much a, a peaks and valleys type of business. Mm. Like mm. whenever when when it when it rains it pours, mm. and when it doesn't it doesn't. And it's mm. just like it's it's very much um, you you definitely have to be a certain type of person to be able to weather that storm because it's like. Yeah, you don't you don't want to say no to work because you love to work, mm. but sometimes it's too much, and then you want to start saying no. But then you worry like when some jobs are done, where's the next one coming from? Yeah, you know. And then and then all of a sudden you're just like, I wish I said yes to that other to that other job, <laughs> which is really the reason why I don't really say no to anything. Like yeah. I <laughs> I pretty much say yes to everything. Um, it's it's uh, oh man, it's. The, the family stuff, all, all that stuff. The, the, the one thing that um, you mentioned that, I re that really struck a chord with me was the hobby thing. Mm. And I remember around that time that I was describing earlier, about 10 years ago or so, mm. I remember going to my parents' house for like a birthday party or something from maybe my brother's or something like that. And I was sitting there talking with my brother and my dad. And, and I was saying like, I need to figure out a way to unwind a little bit. Mm. Because going so fast and so hard every single day mm. is very much my speed, but at the same time, I also need a mental break, mm. you know, because it gets mentally exhausting. Like physically, I feel fine, you know, but like mentally is when I would start to feel the the strain of yeah. all of it. And then, <laughs> and then <clears throat> my brother and my dad are just like, "Well, you need a hobby." And I'm thinking about it. I'm like, well, every single hobby that I've had, I've turned into a business because that that's kind of like been my, it's like, oh, I like sketchbooks. Let's make a sketchbook company. I like, I like t-shirts. Let's make a t-shirt company. You know, like no matter what it was, I would always turn it into something. And it's, it's, I think it's because it's just like one of those things where I'm always trying to find a way to support myself in the way that I feel most comfortable. I remember mm -hmm. being a kid and, you know, like growing up so close to Manhattan, a lot of kids that I grew up with, their parents worked in the city. So mm. that I would always see them get home, you know, get off the train and wearing suits and briefcases and all this stupid stuff that I was just like, I am not going to live that life. That is not for me. Yeah. And I never knew how to avoid that. And I think I spend every single waking moment of my life avoiding that, you know. Yeah. Um, but then there's also ways that like i need i need 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 mental breaks you know especially these days like i need to find it and i think um more so than the kind of business aspect of like bringing in new work and dealing with the ups and downs of the economy and mm. the world and all that kind of stuff it finding those mental breaks is is extremely extremely important so it's like I started I started exercising around that time, um, mm. which I never did because I was always like an athletic kid um, and I never I, I could never gain weight. It was like one of those things where I was always like really, really thin um, to the, to the opposite effect of where people are just like, I can't eat this because I gain weight. Like I 
had to eat a lot because I couldn't gain weight. And it was like one of those things, you know? So, um, it was, I, I never really worried about my physical health because I was just like, well, I'm, you know, I'm thin. I don't have to worry about certain yeah. things and blah, blah, blah. But then I, I realized one, one day I was working a lot and I had to run upstairs. And by the time I got to the top of the stairs, I was like, <gasps> yeah, like I couldn't, Oy. like, I just couldn't breathe. And I was like, <laughs> I think it's time to start exercising. So, <laughs> so I started exercising. And ever since then, it was, that was at least one thing that I could not turn into a business. I can't turn, you know, like that, that's not, I don't, I don't love it that much where I'm just like, Hey, I'm going to start an exercise channel. Like, I don't care about it that much, but I do enjoy it enough that like, if I exercise with my wife or a friend of mine, like we can just talk about stuff and just relax and make jokes and not have to worry about stuff. And I can put for the most, well, my, my, my friend, Brian, who also doubles as my trainer, um, a lot, if I go, if I have like a crazy day, um, he'll see that like, I'm just in between sets. I'm like checking my phone. He's like, Oh, it's one of those days, huh? <laughs> <laughs> but like for the most part, I can put it down and we can just joke around and just, you know, exercise. And by the time, you know, I'm done after like an hour or something like that, I feel energized. I feel mm. better. Everything just feels good. I feel like I can sit down and I can focus better. And it just, it really has done a lot to, um, to just help me physically, mentally, emotionally, just kind of like get back to where I need to be. So that's kind of almost taken the place of what drawing used to be for my life. Because yeah. now that I draw for a living, it's almost like this is like a good way to kind of find peace again and just, you know, push myself and take deep breaths and feel like my body is doing what it's supposed to be doing and not just like sitting in a chair and, you know, giving myself arthritis, which I've done from just sitting in a chair for 20 something oh, yeah. years, you know, like my neck, I have like arthritis in my neck now from just like being hunched over a desk oh, for yeah. over two decades. So it's like being able to be, feel like my body's doing something right instead of mm. wrong is, is, has been really, really helpful. Mm. And I have to say that I can so much you know what you you mentioned before about the the parents of your friends going to Manhattan, suit, all suit up to um, just uh, to work on a day job, and that you said to yourself that you you didn't want that life for yourself. It's it's very interesting because um, I recently had a conversation uh, with my therapist where she was you know we were mentioned we were touching on certain um, fears that I had around my business and certain challenges that I had about around uh, running my business and stuff and at some point she asked me like what what is your greatest fear here what what will be what will be the worst if everything goes downhill what will be the worst and I, I you know suddenly this answer came out of me I didn't know that the the answer was this but I I told her like I think my greatest fear is that I will have to go uh, look for a job somewhere yeah. and you know is um yeah when you yeah. mentioned <laughs> that when you mentioned that it's like um it's like the one thing you you knew that you didn't want to do it's like I can totally resonate with this and <laughs> even we went through the ups and downs and the you know the downsides of running a creative business you can always like I can always remind remember remember this that it's like hey this is, this is, I love doing this because also I would hate just going out there and look for a job, right? Yeah. Yeah. Especially when it's like, even if it's creative job, right? Because there's yeah. like agencies and studios and stuff that would probably be great fits for us. But at the mm -hmm. same time, 
you still have to work on someone else's schedule. And to yeah. me, it was like one of those things when I was a kid, it would always be like Sunday night is when I would always mm. have a panic attack. And, and it, would, it wouldn't be like mm. Monday was going to be any different than any other day. But for some reason, knowing that I had to be somewhere at a certain time and it had to be under someone's rules. And even, even in the brief amount of time that I've worked for other people, it was always just like, you know, that tight chest Sunday night feeling oh, yeah. of going to work. And I, and I don't, that. I don't feel that anymore. Now, every Sunday night for me is exciting because I can't wait to work. Like I love yeah. that routine. I love what I do. Um, I love that it can support my family. There's so much about it that I love that, um, sometimes I'm just like, ah, I'm over the weekend. Like I want to get back to, you know, I want to get back to working. So it's, it, it does, it's a, it's a huge difference. And it's like, it's, it's, it's funny that, um, that you mentioned that too, is kind of like the main thing, because I feel like the, the thought of that yeah. is absolutely terrifying to me. <laughs> yeah. And I mean, I, I totally, I totally understand why someone would um, just want to get a job somewhere. And that's, right. that's totally honorable, you know, for me, it, you know, looking for a job, in Germany, which is not my, the country where I was born in. And there are so many challenges associated with just going out there and just get a job, getting a job in some company, um, which makes, you know, starting my own company a lot more easier and a lot more mm -hmm. appealing, right? So, right. and I want to take a side door here and touch on, on one of your side projects, which now has turned into a company and, mm -hmm. um, and which is ugly books. Uh, you mentioned ugly books before, which is a, ser a series of notebooks to customize Spain, create, right. Um, mm -hmm. uh, we're going to add a link to ugly books, uh, website on the show notes so that listeners can check it out. But I want to ask you first, did you write the copy on the site? I did. Yes. Because it's deep, <laughs> and if you if you allow me, I like I like to read a passage of it, and I will follow that with a with a question. Is that sure. okay? Yeah, please, please go for it. I will use my best voice, my best <laughs> podcast voice. Um, so it's just a passage. It's just a part. Um, what is beautiful and what is not doesn't seem as a subjective as again. What is beautiful and what is not doesn't seem as subjective as it should be. There's no greater proof of the frustration of this concept than the adolescent years where we all struggle through, attempting to discover who we are and where we belong, figuring out our lives and our likes and dislikes, determining how to spend our time and who to spend it with, and ultimately being judged for each one of those decisions along the way. It changes you. It changes how you your view life. It changes how you make decisions. It changes who you share your feelings with and when you feel it's safe to be honest. It erodes the trust and purity you once had as a child and fills the void with doubt and fear. The word ugly no longer refers to your great aunt's tattered and stained couch, but to the music you listen to, the clothes you wear, and the movies you watch. But re reality is just a label put on things that others can't find value in or don't understand. Even in the most gruesome horror movies is true craft, true art, true beauty. Every meticulous detail ideated, developed, sculpted, and polished may have a frightening agenda, but the process is pure and beautiful. Oh my God, I will, I will 
<laughs> I will let this sit in the in the listener's mind for a second. And John, when I look at your work, there's something there's there's something that has to do with this. Um, you know, I feel that it really rebels against the status quo of beauty. Especially, you know, being a person, if you consider that you're a person who is or works primarily in branding where the standard is perfection and mm -hmm. many brands up for a polished look, you still manage to pull it off and bring some of your own style and story in the mix. So what would you say to listeners that, you know, many of them are maybe worried about like, okay, I have this style and it's very personal and, you know, it, it's very connected with who I am, but at the same time, um, I might, I may need to follow the trends, right? I may need to follow the, you know, where the industry is going. What would you say to someone who is trying to balance out those two things, those two different forces? Well, it's, it's, it's funny. It's, um, a lot of what I do, <clears throat> excuse me, um, doesn't have really anything to do with art or design. Mm. Um, a lot of, you know, I, I, mentioned, I mentioned my brother when I was younger. When I was a kid, um, in, the, in the 80s, it was people were not as educated about certain handicaps or disabilities or mm. whatever as they are now. Mm. Um, and, I, and, and I spent a good portion of my life um, listening to people make comments and staring and, mm. you know, trying to take advantage of him or trying to push him around or whatever, because they thought it was funny. Um, and I spent a good amount of time in fights and, mm. you know, getting, you know, learning how to defend my brother who was unable to defend himself at the time. And especially today, I think where we see a lot of people trying to fight back and defend, you know, race, gender, orientation, all that kind of stuff. I've, I, I see like um, a solid connection to the way that I grew up and the things that I dealt with mm. and how other people <clears throat> struggle with their own identity or trying to find a way to just live life the same way as, you know, a quote unquote normal person would go ahead and live life. Yeah. And I think that it's it's very much something that we can all identify with to an extent, mm. maybe some people more than others. Um, and it's it's something that I think is really important to be out there in the mm. world. Mm. And and for for people who feel ostracized for one reason or another from society, from the family, from their work or school or whatever, because they feel like they're different, they feel like they can't fit in. Mm. To a certain point, we've all felt like that. Yeah. Um, and, and, you know, there are some people who have a greater challenge trying to figure out what that is for them. Mm -hmm. And it's so, you know, yeah, we all try to figure out our style and stuff like that. But I think when it comes down to it and you look at some of the greatest artists in human history, whether it be painting, sculpture, music, writing, you name it, whatever, whatever the art form is, the people I think who are most successful are, are the people who are the most true to themselves and feel maybe, you know, the, the most direct and the most honest with themselves. So confidence is, is kind of a, um, is, is a word that 
is very difficult, I think, to deal with because you can be very much yourself and still feel very insecure about it. Mm-hmm. Um, you can feel very confident and be lying to yourself every single day, or you could be a mixture of the two. Yeah. Um, but I think, you know, when I, when I sit down to create something, I don't think about the style as much as I think about the emotion or the attitude or the message or the, um, y- you know, the, the people that I'm trying to connect with. Like, I, it's, it's more of a manipulation of, of emotion than it is, um, than it is, you know, colors and words and things like that. So, you know, it, especially today, I think with, um, just kind of the state of the world. To me, it felt like the most important time to try and shine a light on it and make a product, make something that people can customize and create with and archive and save for the future Mm. that they can come back and look at and say, this is me then, this is me now, and kind of watch progressions and, and use, you know, color and shape and line and texture and all these different things to be able to visually kind of tell this story, you know, and I, and I think back to when my, when my grandfather died and we were cleaning out his house Mm. and I was going through his closets and I, you know, those notebooks and stuff that he used to show me when I was a kid and, and, um, having, you know, like keeping them, you know, and then talking with my dad about it. Um, and, and I, I, you know, in a very morbid way, but like in a very kind of realistic way, saying, you know, like my, my father was a contractor for most of his life and I used to work with him and he had all these like record books and date books and stuff like that where he'd keep his notes and everything. And I said, you know, like when, you know, when the time comes that we have to clean out your house, <laughs> I said, this is what I want. I said, I want, I want your books. I said, I don't really care about anything else. I said, this is just what I want. Oh, so yeah. he was like, I don't need them. He's like, have them now. And it's just like, you know, I, I'm not going to sit there and look through them or whatever, but I love that it, it is a, it's, it's, it's an emotional piece of someone's daily struggle to figure out how to get from sunup to sundown and to get through it and to, and to figure out their way to the finish line. Mm. And I think, and I think being able to capture that. And again, it's, it's a lot to say for basically colored notebooks, you know? Um, but the concept behind it, and I think the way that people connect with things can be so much more than just whatever, you know, and it it can be, you know, it could be a pencil, it could be a notebook, it could be a microscope, it could be whatever. Like these things are inanimate objects, but it's what you attach to them emotionally that I think is what's so important and is Mm -hmm. what, what, finds the connection between you and the world that you're living in where you can say, okay, I, I belong here, you know, mm. like I've, I've, I found my place. And I think it's, it's a very tough thing to do, but if you can find that object or that plate or that thing or whatever it is that helps you bridge that gap from like in here to out here, um, you know, then I think it's, it's, it, it, it can make your life easier. It can make your life more enjoyable. It can make you feel more confident in yourself. It can make you feel like you belong. It can make you, make you feel like you can feel better about finding a community that feels similarly to you. So, you know, there's, there's definitely a lot that goes into it. And it's, you know, it's, it's, it's especially, you know, the, the, the section that you read on the website is, 
is the most sincere. And then if you look at yeah. the rest of the website, all the copy on that is really goofy and jokey, yeah. Yeah. you know, because it's like, it's, it's very much like, um, I love the idea of, um, and I, you know, it's, it's so weird. Like I almost, I, I identify more with comedians than mm. I do with designers because I watch comedians and, and, and I watch comedians speak about, um, really hard topics yeah. in a very funny way because it's a matter of dealing with things. And I'd love, and I, I think more than anything, this is where my brain is always going to it, how it comes out as design. But, but I think, especially through our conversation, I think it's very clear that everything that I do and that I'm interested in is, is finding ways to be, um, productive through learning how to deal with things emotionally. Yeah. So it's, it's very much the mixture of the two. And I, I and I, I like to think that when I produce something, people can see and feel the emotional connection in it. Um, so that is really more of, of, of my goal when I do any of this stuff. Yeah. And I have to say thank you for sharing all you know, the story behind all these emotions today, um, you share the story around your family and how you struggle with anxiety as a child, the story with your uh, brother and his challenges around heart, uh, heart disease, um, your own struggles around um, um, mental health and how that, you know, how all these emotions and how all these experiences have an impact on the way you live your life which is you know you you love working you love doing the work you do you love you also find peace in the work you do right and it seems that you know i i, I think it's not a coincidence that you have created with ugly books you have created a a visual journal uh right is essentially a visual journal where you can infuse and write and draw all of your emotions and feelings and i think that it's so connected to everything you have done in the past <laughs> and why you do things right um so to wrap up our podcast i i always like to um of course i'm gonna add a link to ugly uh, books on the show notes so that everybody can can find it and to wrap up the episode um, I always like to play a little game, um, and the game is called Finish the Sentence. Have you ever played it? Yeah, and, and yeah, pro I, I'm curious if it's the same way, but yeah, I'm sure a version of it. <laughs> <laughs> so I basically start a sentence, and you complete it. Okay. Are you ready? I'm ready. Okay. I could never get bored of. Oh, God. It's, this is a lot harder than I thought it was going to be. Uh, I could never get bored of... <laughs> drawing mm. style is always inside of you mm. i'm a little embarrassed by the fact that i know so little about <laughs> um oh that's tough i honestly at this point in my life i i feel so i i've, I've learned how to be so honest about what I know and what I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. I feel embarrassed about not knowing anything. Like, um, what, what do I, I guess I feel if, if I would, I do so much, I, I've done so much lettering and type in the past yeah. that I'm sure that my knowledge of type 
is still so much more limited than most people who mm-hmm. are interested in it. That it's just like, you know, all the little bits and pieces of letters and still all the little, the, the curves and the, the, you know, intricacies of the letters. Like, I don't know the names to all of them. You know, I, I know how they work. <laughs> I can make them, you know, but like there's all the, you know, like all those, you can, you know, there's like the X height and this and that and the A sender, D sender, blah, blah, blah. There's the stuff that matters, right? But then there's all those like little ones that like type nerds are so obsessed with. Those things. I don't know about, and I don't think I care enough to know about them because I don't really think it matters. <laughs> I love the honesty. The sec- your secret stays with us. Yeah. <laughs> so if I wouldn't be doing this for a living, I would be... Dead. Mm. I'm always chosen first when it comes to... Family. Right now is a perfect time to... Um, work harder than I did yesterday. Oh, yes. Thank you so much, John. This conversation was amazing. And I, I, I'm sure that all of our listeners have found a lot of value in all the things that you shared. Where can people find you? Well, this was great, Martina. Thank you so much. Um, this is a great conversation. Um, every, well, I mean, people can attempt to find me on the Internet, but, you know, algorithms will do their thing. Um, mm-hmm. You could, I mean, Instagram at John Contino. You could find our studio page at continostudio.com. Uh, uglybooks.co is a good place to find us. And then uh, ugly, our Ugly Books uh, social media handles. Someone stole Ugly Books like early, early on. So our Ugly Books stuff is always Ugly Books with an extra U at the beginning and an extra S at the end. <laughs> Which makes a lot of sense. Yeah, yeah. Right. <laughs> <laughs> it goes with Ugly Books and stuff. Exactly. You need to have an yeah, exactly. ugly handle. <laughs> exactly. So I didn't. I felt like if we were going to do it, we might as well do it in a in a in a dumb, ugly way like that. So <laughs> it makes sense. <laughs> Amazing. Thank you, John. Again, I will add all of this to our show notes so that listeners can find you. Thank you so much, everybody, for tuning in today. And thanks again, John. Thank you. And see you on the next episode of Open Studio. Bye bye. So this is it. I hope you loved this episode. You can find me, the host of the show, on social networks at Martina Flor on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. If you have a question or comments, go to martinaflor.com slash podcast, where you can see previous episodes, find show notes, and send voice memos with your comments and questions. You can also watch these episodes on YouTube. Just go to martinaflor.com slash YouTube to find them. You can, of course, Listen to all our episodes on your favorite podcast platform. If you loved this episode, subscribe to this podcast. And if you leave us a review, it will help others find us. Thank you all for listening and see you in the next episode of Martina Flores Open Studio. Bye-bye. John, you're the best. <laughs> Those are great questions. You are the best. I, <laughs> you know, I, you took me out of my, um, my structure in a way, in a very good way. Mm-hmm. But I love that, you know, I, if I have to be honest, I always try to get deeper into the stories and really have, artists share their struggles and their wins and all that. 
I'm not always succeeding because, of course, we are on a podcast, people listen to it. We are on video, you know, it's very yeah. hard to open up. But I think um, I appreciate that you did that and that you share all that stuff that made the conversation very insightful and allow me also to come up with follow up questions that I didn't think of. And that, um, yeah, and I, I think uh, they made a, a good conversation and also your answers really led to that. So I appreciate that. Yeah, I, um, I, I, I liked the way that you were going into some of the stuff and, and especially like pulling some of like the, the passages was great because it was, especially after all these years too, to like look back and, and be able to like understand the growth that's yeah. there or the changes yeah. that were there. And it's, um, it's so funny too, because you, it's, you could try to ask designers so many things and artists, but like at the end of the day, everybody's really kind of we do this because we don't want to be out there you know yeah, like yeah <laughs> you know oh my god so it's like i've i found that um being able to have conversations like this it, it does so much for um letting people know who i am so like yeah. you, you, there's so many people out there where it's just like they do good work or they do this, or they do that. But like, it's sometimes harder to remember them mm -hmm. by. And I feel like if you can just be super honest and, yeah. and just, and just be like the character that you've been placed on this earth to be, yeah, that's how people can remember you. And I, I just, I, I would, I mean, I'm not gonna lie. I would love to be remembered, you yeah. know? So Absolutely. It's... And also I have to say that, you know, before this, this conversation, I had a different um, idea of who you were, you know, mm -hmm. and we have to understand this as well. Sometimes I feel that I'm giving a certain or I'm communicating a certain thing or I give, I'm giving a certain uh, view on who I am, but people don't get it entirely. And I think these conversations really allow you to go deeper into like who the person is, you know, what your motivations are, what your story is and um, yeah. And make you more human in a way, you know, and perhaps some of the things that people thought you were um, or that, you know, people thought you had a certain attitude or whatever, like um, when they listen to the podcast, they hear like, Hey, this is totally a person who I would totally be friends with or, you know, can you, what, what, what was the um, perception that you you had of me prior to this? I'm ah, interesting. interesting. So <laughs> I I I had the perception, and I love that f from you. I mean, and but you know, when through this conversation, I got to see a much more sweet side of you. You know, because when I when I look at your work and your inspirations and like all the 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 things that you reference in your work, which is music, I believe heavy metal music, mm -hmm. uh, you know, baseball, you, you, perhaps you, from the outside, I will have the, the perspective that, okay, this is a, a, um, a person who is really tough and really mm -hmm. like, you know, it, it goes about life. Like, you know, I'm gonna master the world or whatever. And then when you hear your story, there is a certain um, a certain backstory that has to do with why you do what you do, why, why you have those influences in your work, uh, why your work is, you know, um, imperfect in a way, you know, uh, why 
why is um, why there is a rough um, appearance to it, mm-hmm. right? And you know, when I look back at your story, where you needed to be really tough. Uh, to face the people who were bothering your brother or pull up, fight, uh, pull up fights and stuff. I totally understand why your art is this way. And mm-hmm. sorry if, if I'm going to be like too deep into like analyzing and all of that, but I'm really into this stuff. Like, <laughs> and, you know, it's like hearing your story and the things you went through. Um, I can understand why your art uh, perhaps has a, a much more tough appearance to it, you know? Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's, it's funny. Um, I definitely, it's, it's definitely, um, the appearance that I put out there. Um, because I, you know, for reasons that you've described for sure. Um, and it's things that, you know, I've learned to be in my life and not let, you know, people take advantage and, and defend myself and things like that. Um, but it's really funny too. Um, I was working with the photographer Jonathan Mannion mm-hmm. a few years ago, and he did a lot of. Um, he shot like some of the most famous portraits and album covers and stuff for for rappers yeah. um, in the '90s and 2000s stuff like that. And he was shooting me for a project that he was working on. Yeah. And he told me that when I showed up and I was like joking around with him and friendly, he he said that he was worried about the type of person that I was going to be because he thought, uh, and this is a guy that literally would shoot, you know, like rappers, like gangster rappers with like guns <laughs> and stuff like that. And he was like worried about me. And I thought that was so funny um, to, 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 you know, but I also honestly enjoy that too. Like I like that there's a perception there and that if you want to get to know me, you have to, you know, it, you have you know, have to try to have a real conversation and yeah. then, and then I'm, you know, as, open and honest as you could possibly want. But um, it's always funny to hear the, you know, the perception that, you know, that's out there and what people think and all that kind of stuff. And you, I, I don't know how it affects um, my work and how clients think, how other designers think and stuff like that. So it's always, uh, it's very insightful to hear that. <laughs> yeah. And yeah. And I think, I think it's also, you know, sometimes I feel that when, when, I nail it as a host, as a podcast host. I nail it to to conduct a conversation that is honest and deep and emotional. I feel that my guests get the most out of it as well. Mm-hmm. You know that it it it's in a way therape- therapeutic, therapeutic. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I have had conversations here on the podcast which were really, really deep. Like like the one we just we just um had uh i had a conversation with alex Troshut. i i mm-hmm. don't know if you know him yeah, sure. um where he was always also opening up about his story and how his how his uh, grandfather died of cancer because he he went from conducting a creative business into conducting a company that you know with 300 employees and stuff like mm-hmm. he really um, you know, sometimes the the conversations also bring something back to the to the guests in terms of like insights, like oh, oh look, I do this because of that. You know, no one really asked me, yeah, what is my real purpose behind what I do? You know, it's not just pretty pictures. It's yeah. Well, there's <clears throat> there's also I, mean, I feel like this should be like an addendum to the podcast. Yeah, like, totally. <laughs> <laughs> but um, it's. It, it, it's I, I also try to share too because I feel like there's a lot of people that need 
guidance on how to mm. get to where they want to be. And I remember when I was when I was younger, I I used to buy books all the time about design studios and stuff to try and understand how they got to where they are. Um, and there was one in particular I remember buy, uh, buying, and I read through it, and it was basically like, you know, yeah, we we were nobodies, and and then we did this and then we did this and then we got a studio in Manhattan and now we work with Volkswagen and Sony and and I was like whoa 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 <laughs> there's a lot that's missing in between yeah. <laughs> we were nobodies and now you know like what is all that in between <laughs> yeah totally yeah yeah totally and sometimes like I really try to dive deeper into that because you know I I think and I understand that as well like I I have almost forgotten how you know how was my daily work uh when i when i started over 12 years ago mm -hmm. uh but of course there was a lot of struggle a lot of like trying to figure out a lot of like emailing people and calling people on the yep. phone and 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 you know yeah there was a lot of that and if you if you dive deeper into these questions sometimes they come out and sometimes you remember like oh yeah wait i i didn't only like put a portfolio online, you know, when I started, but I also sent a couple of emails here and then mm -hmm. I went with my portfolio here and there, and then it snowballed into this and that. Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Totally. Right. I, I feel that there is a gap in, in, especially when it comes to like renowned designers where you, that you see on the internet and you think like, I mean, they're making it and they, you know, <laughs> and, yeah. And they, I, a lot of people put on a show. Yeah, you know, and they and they put on a show, and it's especially because of social media, almost makes you feel like you have to put on a show, and it's just like, I, and it, in my life, I've always just felt rebellion towards what everyone else was doing, which yeah. I think is what got me into the music I like, got, all, all these types of things. It's just it, my experience always led me away from that, and and it's just there's so much to teach that's mm. not design for someone to become a designer yeah. that it's just like, I, I try all the time whenever I have the opportunity to share those things. And like mm. when I speak in front of classes and stuff like that, I don't do slideshows. I've gone, I've done lectures at, at conferences where I didn't have a slideshow or anything. I didn't have a plan. I literally just went up on the stage and just started telling stories about stuff and just you know, wow, you're looking, brave. Yeah, yeah, just like that is the tough John that I <laughs> yeah. that I know that I used to know. <laughs> but it's 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 almost like it's the, the 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 idea of getting up on stage and showing the slideshow. Yeah. For me, I know it's different for other people, but for me, feels very like I'm wasting an opportunity yeah. to say something that means something to mm. someone, and. I'd rather tell the story of when I had a panic attack when I was 10 versus when I did, you know, branding for some big company or something like yeah. that. Because, yeah, that's great. Like, you can go to a museum and you can look at artwork and that's mm. cool and you can appreciate it. But what do you learn from that? You don't mm. learn anything from it. You learn yeah. from when someone tells you something that is personal and difficult and something that you've experienced or can at least equate to something that you experience mm. and that i think is is so much more valuable than just being like well here's this amazing thing that i did yeah. it's just like oh wow john's amazing but like you walk out you walk out there and immediately you're just like i want to go get a sandwich we got to do this i got to pick up my laundry like you don't think about it after that 
But when someone tells you something where you're just like, oh, yeah, that was a thing that I was worried about or whatever. Like, like every time I've done a conference and I and I do a lecture like that, I have so many people that come up to me and just start saying, oh, my God, it reminds me of this time. It reminds me of this time. And I love hearing that because it's just like, see, it's like you can do it. Like we can all do it. But you just have to, you know, get out of the box that's your brain and just let yourself experience these things and the more and more you experience the more it creates your story and then it's just a matter of telling your story and illustrating your story in a way that the world needs like we need more different we need less the same more different and if we can all contribute to that then that's where the beauty comes from and again it goes back to like ugly books and and stuff it's just like that's why it's like more different is better you know yeah I amen. Seriously. <laughs> yes. And you know, it all goes back to to like understanding what your purpose is, why you do the things you do in the way you do them. Right. Right. And I right. feel that through the conversation you really picture that picture. Right. You know, I I got to personally I got to join a lot of points which had to do with your own story and the way your art looks and the way you go about your, your everyday life, mm-hmm. uh, which for me make a lot of sense. And it's individual for each one of us. Like every uh, people, every artist that I have had on the podcast, they have a different way to go about things, you right. know, and it all connects when they allow me to see that and to go through that. Um, yes, it, it just, all makes sense, right? And sometimes right. It's, it's not even like super obvious for many of us, you know? It's not like you can tell your story and and and, and just communicate it like clearly, right? Mm-hmm. I bet mm-hmm. that you, because you did all this speaking, because you, you went through all these things in your life, you, you started so many projects, you wrote so much copy in your <laughs> different projects that you have, you have, gone through different processes which allowed you to collect all this information right. and to to see okay why do you do I do what I do what are the things that are you know what are the emotions and the stories that are connected with what I do but for many artists it's not like this um, right and yes and this is what I try to figure out in the podcast sometimes I succeed <laughs> sometimes I, I don't and I don't blame anybody it's just sometimes it happens sometimes it doesn't but I think yeah. this is the most insightful part right and what yeah. it can bring more value to to the listeners and to future generations it sounds like a like grandma speaking back. <laughs> John I don't want to steal any more of your time I just want to let you know that I'm gonna send you we are going to publish this podcast in two weeks from now. So okay. I'm going to send you, uh, I'm going to let you know when that happens. I'm going to, we normally send like some snippets uh, for social if you want to share that, which mm-hmm. we always appreciate. Um, and um, what else? Is there anything else? I think there's any, uh, there's nothing else that I want to share with you. I just left to tell you uh, that. Um, you can count on me for whatever you need. If you need me to connect you with some someone to support you in any project, I will always try to do my best to do that. Um, I do that with all my guests. And of course, I want to do that with you. Um, and also, since you mentioned, would you like me to publish this bit as an annex to our podcast? Yeah, yeah, sure, sure, sure. Let's Absolutely. do that. 
You yeah. know, it often happens that I know. the most insightful bits are outside the podcast. Right. Like, <laughs> right. like what the fuck? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think it's always it's always funny when you when you get to that point. You're like, shit, we should have kept recording, but I think you're still recording, right? So yeah, we're, yeah, we are yeah. recording. We are <laughs> recording. So, so, and just remind you that you know when when we. Um, um, hang up the conversation that you you don't close the window. Just leave right. it open for five more minutes, and that's it. Cool. Yeah, this was this was great. I really appreciate it. And likewise, same same to you. If there's ever anything I can help you with, feel free to reach out anytime. Uh, Amazing. This was, yeah, this is this is great. It was great talking with you. Yeah, the same. And yeah, have a great day. You too. Bye bye. Bye. Take care.